Hey guys, and welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report, presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. The first podcast to bring you the local fishing report for Alabama's lakes and rivers, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. I'm your host, Nick Williams, and this week's show is brought to you by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. Are you frustrated by your typical hunting and fishing magazines? Are you tired of reading content meant for guys up north or in the Midwest? Don't get left behind following the guidance of guys who don't hunt and fish in your home state. Pick up a Great Days Outdoors magazine subscription and become a better southern outdoorsman. Great Days Outdoors magazine can be found at your local Books A Million, Tractor Supply Company, Rural King, or you can save and buy online at greatdaysoutdoors.com. Alrighty, guys, welcome back to another week's episode of the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report. I've been looking forward to doing this segment. Uh, Today, we're joined by Bryant Bowen, who is the Freshwater Biodiversity Program Manager uh, for Georgia DNR. And we're here today to talk a little bit um, about the Georgia bass slam that they do over there. Uh, Bryant, welcome to the show. I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. Well, well, tell me and tell our listeners uh, just a little bit about yourself, your work experience, and then uh, I, I assume you've got some history as an angler, too. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. I catch more uh, in work than I do on, on the boat, but, you know, I started, I'm from Georgia, got some uh, some degrees in Georgia, and went to Southern Miss in Hattiesburg for graduate school and worked with Gulf Sturgeon and some unique species over there, and then moved back over to Georgia and took a sport fish biologist job for the like the first 10 years of my career and then it sort of transformed trans kind of moved towards uh conservation and now being over the freshwater biodiversity program i work with all kinds of species across the state we work with species of greatest conservation need with sturgeon with robust and sickle fin robust freshwater mussels crayfish snails and other rare aquatic species we also work with the black bass the black bass slam we do the black bass genetics for the slam and we work from the follow geography on this so we have a very diverse background and i enjoy started off a lot of just creek fishing in middle georgia kind of led to some bigger river fishing and chased some dreams to the coast and did some fishing on the coast for some so all the things and did some offshore fishing and i'm inland way inland and up here where all these black bass are so i know you talk about fishing everything from the creeks to the big rivers and fishing down on the coast i know georgia has a lot of biodiversity right you can do everything from fishing the headwaters for brook trout um you got access to the to the atlantic ocean you got a lot of coastline so you can hit everything there and then you you kind of have everything in between right every everything from the headwaters out to the ocean and i know Alabama, Georgia, the Southeast in general, we're eat up with bass. Everybody knows about largemouth bass. Um, but, you know, we've also got over here, we got the smallmouth bass and the spotted bass, the Kentucky spots, the Alabama spots, the red-eye bass and everything. But kind of kind of tell me a little bit more about the slam, because when I found out that Georgia had 10 species of, of black bass, that is really kind of mind-blowing. You know, I didn't, I wouldn't have thought that there were that many of them. Tell me, what, what was the whole idea behind putting that slam together for people? Well, in the broad terms, I'll start off with broad terms. What the black bass slam is, is, is the idea is to recognize anglers with the knowledge and skill to catch five different species of black bass in a variety of habitats across the state. You know, while also stimulating interest in the conservation and management of black bass in their habitats. Now, I also consider it a challenge to anglers, you know. The goal has multiple goals with awareness and research being at the top. You know, it's really a combination of goals, and I would add education and co- conservation and collaboration also. 
I'm speaking on awareness a little bit. You know, one of the main goals was to make our diverse angler base more aware of the unparalleled black bass fisheries Georgia offers and to provide unique fishing opportunities to our anglers. And just to get them out of the rivers and the small trees where these fishes live to experience and enjoy firsthand the amazing fishing opportunities Georgia offers. You know, we have a saying here in Georgia, there's a bite to catch somewhere in Georgia 12 months out of the year. And that provides great opportunities for our anglers across the state. You know, black bass are some of the most sought after species in North America. You know, with Georgia as one of the premier black bass destinations in the world. You know, I consider it the black bass capital of the world. And many anglers are just unaware of how we stacked up as a state. Then we also want to get the local anglers in their local rivers and streams to help stimulate interest in the management and conservation of the local native aquatic biodiversity. You know, we need to bring awareness to the need for healthy, diverse habitats and clean water that these fish and all those species in a healthy aquatic ecosystem need. You know, not every species required for a healthy aquatic ecosystem gets the attention it needs for conservation. And these black bass help garner public awareness for the water bodies they depend on, in turn providing protection for all the other aquatic species. You know, a lot of this program also was driven with research. You know, we try to when we started this wonderful program, we had limited information on what the population dynamics of our black bass fisheries looked like. And we were unsure of what the genetic diversity we had in the state. And we've been seeing and hearing about genetic hybridization issues from our not from the non-native Alabama bass crossbreeding with other native black bass species. So we want to just learn more about what we had in the state and see if we had any hybridization issues and where those occurred across the state. You know, geneticists were describing new distinct species that we were calling one species before. A lot was happening. Things were changing. So we wanted to gather more information to see what our black bass fisheries looked like. So soon after we started extensive baseline surveys and tissue collections for the Chattahoochee bass, in the Chattahoochee River Basin to understand the population dynamics better and determine what genetic hybridization we had and what issues we were dealing with in the state. And we have since surveyed the Altamaha River Basin for Altamaha bass, the Tallapoosa River Basin for Tallapoosa bass, and the Tennessee River Basin for smallmouth bass. And the short of it, we've identified populations with pure individuals in all the basins, but we also have identified hybridization issues with Alabama bass and all the black bass fisheries in the state, except Suwannee bass. You know, speaking on conservation and education, one of our goals is to stimulate interest in the conservation and management of native black bass and their habitats. You know, we want to educate the public on the need for healthy habitats and the importance these black bass serve in the ecosystem as sentinels for other species. You know, why and just why a healthy river system is important and worth protecting. So these habitats these fish need to survive are facing mounting threats. And we can get into a few of those later. And we want, also want to conserve the natural heritage of the citizens of Georgia. You know, some of these fish are found nowhere else in the world. The Altamaha and Chattahoochee bass are endemic to Georgia. They only occur in Georgia. The Chattahoochee bass used to occur in Alabama, but it has become extirpated due to past land practices. And it was clear early on that we cannot do this alone and need help from our partners. I'm going to share one partnership that has actually generated actual stream restoration dollars on the landscape. The University, University of Georgia Extension, they were involved since day one. The Habersham County Extension Coordinator, Stephen Patrick, has been instrumental in helping us transfer our ideas and goals to the ground. He organized a group of local kayak anglers on Upper Chattahoochee River to conduct float trips to collect fishery data 
and tissues from our riverine basses in areas where our shop boats and backpack electric fixtures can't go. I met quickly stimulated interest with the local angler base and landowners about the need to conserve these unique species and their habitats. You know, the angling public now has a gained new interest in watershed restoration for some of these red eyes, or Chattahoochee, or Altamaha, and our Bartram bass. And they collaborated with SARP, the Southeastern Aquatic Research Partnership, and new project partners in, in providing funding for restoration in the upper Chattahoochee River Basin, just by taking some guys down the river on the kayak to catch some fish. And to date, they've garnered over a million dollars has been granted to the upper Chattahoochee watershed to assist crop farmers and livestock producers to implement better land management practice aimed at reducing sedimentation in the surface ways. And Stephen wants to spread this idea to other districts across the state. People, and Stephen says, people seem to love these endemic bass and the native fish once they realize what is actually there. And you know, partnership is where all of our gallery efforts come to fruition on the landscape. We, we have to work together. I, I like it. I guess the, the general gist of it is that you're, uh, you know, you're recognizing skilled anglers, you're giving people a, a fun challenge, and then also kind of, you know, a little bit of a partnership, a little bit of a citizen science program almost. You know, I guess if people send in those forms, complete the slams, that kind of helps you guys get a feel for on a detailed level, you know, where these fish are in the different tributaries on the main river systems where you know they're at. It's interesting what you said about the hybridization. You, did you say that there was hybridization amongst all the bass species, hybridizing with particularly the Alabama bass? All but the Swanee bass. Really? It's not down there yet. I might have heard of instances of one down there, of spotted bass down there, but Swanee bass have not been hybridized, have not seen hybridization of Swanee bass yet. And the and the largemouth bass hasn't seen too much hybridization, but there's definitely hybridization there. That's impressive. I, I knew that, that there was issues with hybridization with spotted bass with some of the different um, red-eye bass that we have in the state of Alabama. But but you're saying that basically out of – got 10 different bass species. One of them is the one that's hybridizing. So you've got eight species that that one species is hybridizing with. Yeah, we now have more than 10 species in Georgia, but things have just been going so fast it's hard for us to recognize them. And just the regular anglers can't. Tell the difference between a Florida largemouth bass and a northern largemouth bass. So, yeah, we might be up to 13 species by now. I don't know. Sure. Yeah. I, I know that uh, uh, Matt Lewis, I know he can tell the difference between the, the different species we have here in Alabama, but I got to take his word for it or just trust that if I'm in the Black Warrior River, then that's a Black Warrior red eye and not a, not a Coosa one, but I can't. I can't tell. He can look at pictures. He claims he can tell, look at a random picture and say, oh, yeah, that's a Coosa bass. I'm I'm not there yet. So I understand. Well, that's what you mentioned that, you know, the drainage they're in. That's it. You know, you got to kind of know where you're at, the drainage you're in, the water body you're in. And that's probably going to be the one you're focusing for. Sure. Let's go ahead and take a quick break. This week's episode of the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report has been brought to you by... The East Tennessee Fishing Show and Expo is back this year, January 25th to the 28th at the Knoxville Expo Center on Clinton Highway. The East Tennessee Fishing Show is the largest fishing show in the South, and this year will be featuring more dealers, more vendors, and more exhibits than ever before, all under one roof. Whether you fish for bass, crappie, trout, or walleye, if you fish, you won't want to miss the latest fishing gear, equipment, and apparel. Come check out Custom Tackle, Lures, Rods, Reels, Electronics, and Guides, January 25th through the 28th. Tickets are only $12 for adults and $8 for kids 6 and above. Kids 5 and younger can attend for free. Tickets are available online or at the door, and the parking is also free. Learn more at EastTennesseeFishingShow.com. 
So what makes Georgia able to host so many different species of black bass? Like how do you, how do you end up with 10 species of bass in, or in the boundaries of one state? Or yeah, or, th- or even more, right? Like the number keeps going up over time. How do you end up with that many bass in one area? What is it about Georgia that's so special? Well, you know, man, it's the Southeast alone is considered the Amazon of North America. You know, alone the Southeast is considered the Amazon of North America. There are more species in the few states in the Southeast than the rest of North America. The state of Georgia itself also has very diverse habitats from the mountain to the sea, like you were talking about earlier on the coastline and all the different mountains. We have five ecoregions. We have two slopes, the, the Gulf Slope and the Atlantic Slope. There's 14 major river drainages in the state that provided refuge, ref, refugia and did so during after the Pleistocene glaciation. And all these separate river drainages also provided separation and isolation from other populations, allowing all these unique bass to evolve into unique species. You know, in the scheme of things, and when all this happened, it's amazing how long it took for us to unravel this. And now just overall, Georgia is the sixth most diverse state in the U.S. Georgia has a very diverse aquatic resources. Georgia's ranked third in the nation for overall fish biodiversity. Georgia's ranked fourth in the nation for mussel and crayfish biodiversity. I'll give you a fun fact here. The Altamaha bass are known to host, are known as host species for three or more mussels. And one of the mussels is endemic, found nowhere else in the world. So the Altamaha bass is endemic as well. So those two species and the mussel just depends on them to complete their life cycle. Something neat about mussels, some of the mussels create very realistic imitations of prey the fish will consume and use it to lure the fish over and entice it to eat the bait. And when the fish goes for the bait, the mussel expels the young, the glycidia, that attach to the gills of the bass. And then the bass will carry these young rib- up the river where they can detach and develop. So if it weren't for these black bass, these mussels couldn't complete their life cycle. So all of the unique diverse habitat in Georgia allows these places to exist. So to find more about Georgia's biodiversity, please visit our Georgia Biodiversity Portal at georgiabiodiversity.org. And you can search through your species of interest. I like it. It's it's interesting. What's what's the name for the the lure? Uh, you may have said it, and I missed it. But I've I've seen pictures of when those mussels deploy that little lure. And the first time that somebody sent me a video of it, I really I was looking for the mussel, right? And and I'm looking. I'm like, well, I see that little fish swimming there, but I don't I don't see the mussel or the lure. But I see that little weed shiner sitting there swimming in in that stream. And uh, I watched that clip three or four times before I was finally like, "Oh wow! I guess uh, I guess if I was a bass, I'd I'd have some uh some parasites now living in my system." <laughs> right? Yeah, I uh had to leave that to my muscle biologist. He could really he could probably be all over that, and he can name the scientific species of this thing. But you know, one thing that's really neat to think about is how do these muscles create these lures that look like these animals that they can't see. You know, muscles don't have eyes. How do they know what that fish looks like to create a lure? It's just really amazing. Yeah, I guess I never thought about it from from that point of view. But it's not like there. It's not like what we do, right? Where we sit there and we see a thread pin chat or something, and we look at it and we say, "Well, I think I'm gonna make a little wood or plastic or metal thing that looks like it." Like they just kind of do it, you know? Right. I guess that information's buried somewhere in that genetic code over the eons, which is just mind-boggling to think about yeah. and that's what we're trying to conserve man you're trying to conserve these ancient genetic strains that are ours and unique to us so talk a lot about endemic species are are there any bass that you guys are 
concerned about or that are rarer than others. Like I know I've joked with people that, you know, largemouth bass are, I guess, like raccoons and possums, like they're, they're doing just fine. Like, like we don't have to worry about passing those on to our kids, but I know here, I know that like some of the Cahaba bass in particular, uh, is, is something that Matt worries about. Cause you know, you got the Cahaba river running right there through Birmingham with all that, that pollution, some habitat loss and stuff like that. So are there, are there bass that y'all are kind of keeping an eye on right now? Well, you know, uh, I think one of the questions was, there one other species threatened? You know, I'm not sure we're at the threatened stage yet, but we do consider a few as SGCN species, species of greatest conservation need in our statewide action plan. So Georgia's statewide action plan is a statewide strategy to conserve populations of native wildlife species and the natural habitats they need before they become rarer and more costly to conserve and overstore. These black basses provide fisheries and at the same time are sensitive species. They kind of bridge the gap, if you will, between sport fishes and native fishes, native species conservation. So we've identified seven of our 10 black bass as SGN species, species with greatest conservation need. We have the shoal bass, the Swanee bass, the Chattahoochee bass, the Altamaha bass, Bartrams, the smallmouth possibly, and Tallapoosa is currently not on there, but likely will be for 2025 and some of the threats you know why are they sensitive or why are they uh why are we concerned about them so all of georgia's aquatic species are threatened by a myriad of factors yeah including urbanization or land use practices associated with historic and current agricultural and forestry operations and the resulting sediment sedimentation loading from those practices we have reservoirs and altered hydrology. You have chemical pollution, have invasive species and climate change. Lots, lots of, lots of things going on. And then unfortunately, most of these species ranges overlap with areas that are experiencing exponential population growth. And they're having to deal with sedimentation from past and present land practices. Then they have to worry about hybridization with non-native Alabama bass, which are invasive species. So most of my Black bass are getting more fragmented from the urban growth above and being attacked below from the hybridization from non-native Alabama bass. For sure. Yeah, I know looking at, at y'all's map and kind of planning, I'd like to go do the slam this year. And you notice that, you know, Atlanta kind of dominates that area, you know, where especially where you have the different species of red-eye bass right there, all those river systems, a lot of urbanization. Same thing here, like we've seen, uh, well, the stream that I grew up on, <laughs> Here in my little home county, it has all the issues that you've talked about. You have sewage overflow issues, chemical pesticide runoff, sil- you know, it's silting in. Uh, they got a man-made dam that they put to make a lake there for the little community. So, like, you give it the whole whole checklist, everything that you went down, we've got there in that one area, including uh, introduced species. You know, you don't see it as much in the in the water with the fish, but the plants on the shoreline, you got a lot of Christmas berries and elephant ears and you know, popcorn trees, you know, stuff like that, Chinese tallow right. trees. So it's that's definitely the more people I talk to, that just seems to be the case throughout the Southeast. It's an interesting opportunity to to me, and I enjoyed doing the the Mobile Basin Red Eye Slam, and I think I'd like to try to do Matt's Grand Slam. I'd like to do the back, Black Bass Slam. Well, Bryant, tell me a little bit then about how, is there anything anglers can do to kind of help mitigate some of those threats that those fish are facing? Well, the, one of the biggest things they can do is don't move fish around. I mean, a lot of the hybrid, all of the hybridization issues are caused from fish that were moved by anglers to watershed they don't belong. 
They can also help by being a voice to these unique black bass species and the habitats they require. You can support environmentally sound practices where you are able to at home and on the job. And you can speak up if you see something that looks off on the job site. And you can just keep your sedimentation out of the waterways with buffers around your property. Georgia rule is 25 foot, but you know, the more the better. You know, some other things you can do in your backyard is support local farmers and eat sustainably. You can plant native species, you can recycle, you can compost, you can avoid using chemicals, you can raise biodiversity awareness. You know, one of the best ways anglers can help is to buy a fishing license and take someone fishing. When a hunter or angler purchases a recreational license, they provide the most substantial source of funding for wildlife and fisheries conservation and management in the United States. You know, a license returns to Georgia Wildlife, the license fee, plus up to $45 in federal excise taxes paid by hunters and anglers. And through the sport, fish, and wildlife restoration programs, when a hunter or angler purchases a gun, a fishing pole, or other related items, they pay an excise tax on that purchase that is, by law, a portion to the state fish and wildlife agencies for conservation purposes. And then to, to, to determine the amount of money each state and agency receives, it's determined by the number of paid hunting and fishing licenses in the land area of the state. So each hunting and fishing license you purchase really makes a difference and gets to the ground. So if your information on purchase licenses in Georgia can be found at georgiawildlife.com or gofishgeorgia.com. Angus can also consider purchasing DNR license plates to help conserve Georgia's wildlife. And most of the $25 fee goes directly to wildlife. Donating to the Georgia Wildlife Conservation Fund at gooutdoorgeorgia.com and contributing to the Wildlife Conservation State Internal Tax Checkoff. So there's lots of things anglers can do. There we go. Well, if, if somebody wants to go over there and, and fish the slam, aside from having that Georgia license, what else do they need to, to make sure that they're doing everything legally and to make sure that they're uh, submitting everything correctly so that they get recognition for the slam? Well, well, to qualify for the Georgia Bass Slam, the fish must be caught within a calendar year and submitted by midnight, December 31st of that calendar year. So in 10 days, 2023 will be over. In 11 days, 2024 will start. So it's calendar year. The fish must be legally caught. You have to be a licensed angler, legally caught from Georgia waters where you have permission to fish. So you have waters where length limit supply, the fish must be of legal size to be eligible. So if there's a 14 minimum on largemouth, it's gotta be, you gotta turn in a 14 inch fish. If there's no minimum length limit, the fish must be at least eight inches long to be recognized for the slam. And now we ask that you take several quality photos. Please include at least one photo of you with the fish, one side photo of the fish on a measuring board or next to a measuring tape or ruler. I've even had guys didn't have a tape and took a picture of a fish by the rod and went home and put a tape by the rod to show the scale. So we're easy to work with, you know, and just any other photos you think may help in confirming the identification of the fish. I've even had people use their arms to measure and do that. Have, so have you seen the people put the uh, the tattoo on their leg or their forearm to measure fish? Yes, that's great. That's I got, awesome. I got some buddies, and I, I swear one of these days I got a friend who's going to show up with a nine-inch tattoo because we got <laughs> most of our waters here, we got nine-inch limit for crappie, and he's he's the type I got. Most most guys here will put electrical tape on their rod, you know, so they can check real quick, see if they got nine-inch fish. But that's I like – I like yeah, I like the guys that uh, you see on social media got the, got the bass tattoo on their legs so they can check them out. 
That's awesome. So then Angus will submit these photos and information to georgia.badslam at dnr.georgia.gov.ga.gov. And for verification, all the rules are posted at www.badslam.com. So Angus can submit five of the following species. Some go for all 10. It started out, we started out with all 10. I think we've knocked it back to five in subsequent years. So the species are largemouth bass, spotted bass, smallmouth bass, shoal bass, swanee bass, red-eye bass, Chattahoochee bass, Tallapoosa, Altamaha, and Bartrams. And what you will get, anglers that successfully catch five eligible species and submit all the required information, will receive a personalized certificate, two passes to the Go Fish Center, some fun stickers, some fantastic-looking fish to put on your, your kayak or your window or your boat or your bumper, and you can advertise your achievement. Then all successful submissions for the calendar year will go into a drawing for an annual grand prize. And anglers will also be recognized on the website at our Go Fish Education Center and through a variety of social media platforms. You know, really the prize is just doing it and going and seeing all these beautiful places. And if you can take somebody along with you to do it, that's really the prize. For sure. Doing the slam here in, in Alabama, doing the Mobile Basin uh, Red Eye Slam, that was definitely like doing it was its own reward, getting to fish some of these little bitty waterways, kind of go back to your roots as a kid, right? Like fishing, ditch yeah. fishing, you know, catching little bitty 12-inch you know, eight inch, 12 inch bass and just little bitty hole in the wall places. Like it's, it's fun to fish the big lakes, the reservoirs, the big rivers, but kind of getting off the beaten, beaten path and, uh, doing that is definitely its own reward. What I'm sure everybody who completes the slam, uh, one of those five fish is going to be a largemouth bass just cause they're pretty ubiquitous. But do you usually see, is there, are there species that are easier to catch than others? Or is there a species that you see pop up more you know what's i guess kind of what i'm asking is like what's the low-hanging fruit like if you were going to go do the slam what what would you target what would be the ones you knew you could get if you went out right right well i won't give away too much you know it is a challenge i mean we can sure. help you have good resources but you know like you said almost every angler submits a large mouth and a spotted bass because they kind of hang out together in most of the places and then you know once you get those two you can try for the three red eyes spread across the upper piedmont and some of the systems are right beside each other. You know, after Altamaha Bass, Tattahoochee, and Barton's, like you said, are spread off across that upper Piedmont area. You know, if you're over on the eastern side of the state, you can pick up those three and then catch your uh, large mountain spot. You know, the Chattahoochee River has four of the species in it. And on the west side of the state, you know, you can combine your large mountain spotted bass with the red eyes over that way. You know, and mostly, uh, the you know, original red-eye bass and talapusa bass, and also have smallmouth bass over that way. So, one unique place is in the Savannah River. You can catch four species, but you know that takes all the fun out of traveling around the state and going to some of the most beautiful places you can imagine to chase fish. Like you said, some of the creeks you used to catch crawfish in as kids. We had no idea that all these beautiful bass are in there too. Right. We got we got a writer who just did an article for us on spotted bass, and he uh he kind of did the deep dive into the differences between. Uh, I think he said growing up, they just called them smallmouth bass. He knew that they were, the spotted bass were different from the largemouth bass, but uh, he he did the deep dive at 70 years old. The creek he'd been fishing his wow. whole life and started, yeah, he started learning, you know, about Kentucky spots, Alabama spots, the different red-eye bass. And, and he's like, man, when we were kids, they were just, they were bass, you know, green fish with a big mouth. Well, that's just a bass, you know. And, right. and then to find out that he'd caught, Five different species of bass you know right there in his home county was uh 
it was pretty cool for him. Let's go ahead and take a quick break and hear some of this week's sponsors. This week's episode of the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report has been brought to you by Hilton's. The days of heading out and blindly looking for good fishing areas are pretty much over. Don't waste time and money on fuel searching for fish. You need the recent highest resolution images to not only know where to go, but where not to go. The knowledge provided by today's technology is critical when planning an offshore fishing trip. Make the choice that professional captains all over the Gulf make and choose Hilton's Real-Time Navigator. The easy-to-use interface and excellent customer service will have you on the fish every time you go. Check it out at hiltonsoffshore.com. Also brought to you by Bucks Island. Bucks Island is a family-owned and operated business since 1948. They have new pontoon boats, bass boats, bow riders, and aluminum boats for sale. They love trade-ins for boats and motors. They can rig your boat or ship your new motor anywhere in the United States. They provide boat service on all kinds of boats, even if they weren't purchased from Bucks. They have factory-trained and certified technicians. Visit them at 4500 Highway 77, Southside, Alabama, 35907 zip code, or give them a call at 256-442-2588. Tell me some more. I've, I've got a really big personal interest over the past year in, in the different species of, of what used to just all be lumped into that red-eye category, right? You know, the Altamaha bass, your Bartram's bass. You Chattahoochee bass, like it's harder to find information on those, right? If you type in the Google, if you just say largemouth bass fishing, you can find all the information. Like there's, there's a big sport fish, uh, everybody, myself included, all the outdoor writers write those bass fishing articles every year. And bass fishing is largemouth fishing. There's, there's really very little information, you know, Altamaha bass, for example, you know, you're not going to crack open a copy of Field and Stream and find information on that. You, you mentioned a little bit like on the, the Chattahoochee River, you could catch, you know, four different species. Uh, are there any other places where people can go out and catch multiple species in the same day of fishing? Well, you do have pockets like we're talking about in the foothills on both sides of the state, right below the, the mountains, where you can catch all five very close together. You know, the northeast and northwest corners of the state and the foothills. You know, so all I'm saying, I want to keep it challenging. So we'll say the smaller river, riverine bass do love shoals. And we have angler resources and maps that will help you determine the best spots for opportunities like this located at black at basslam.com and under the tab it says where to find each bass species you have to uncheck all the species box and then select the species you're interested in and we will help if you can't seem to get on species you're after but want to, the anglers to do the research you know speaking of destinations these black basses take anglers to places they wouldn't dream of the beauty of Georgia's vast, diverse habitats is something that everyone should experience. You know, this land takes people to beautiful habitats and exposes them to the beauty of the natural habitats we're trying to conserve and protect. And this ties back to our goals to get anglers in their local rivers and streams so they can experience and appreciate these habitats and all the unique fisheries Georgia has to offer. And in turn, help stimulate interest in the conservation of their local native aquatic biodiversity. So, I had Dr. Matthew Lewis over uh, at Auburn University on the show, and he started the Red Eye Bass Slam. We we talked, I think I actually had him on two different shows, talking about Red Eye Bass. Um, I got the chance. He got me hooked on it. I did the Alabama, uh, the Mobile Basin Red Eye Slam this year. Um, do you have any specific tips for targeting the Altamaha, Bartrams, and Chattahoochee bass? Uh, yeah. I'll, 
want to add that Dr. Lewis has been an integral part of our molecular data, our black bass data we had we used to manage our black bass fisheries in Georgia. He did all this while he was completing his doctorate at Auburn University. So a lot of our data information that we have on our black bass, we owe to him. He's, he's a good guy. He's a he's a smart cookie and and a real good guy to fish with. He come down here with me this summer, and I put him on some chain pickerel. He'd never caught them, so we had a we had a good day doing that. And then he was supposed to come down and help me shoot some of my wood ducks I got here on the swamp, but uh, he's unfortunately we're we're losing him to Tennessee. He's gonna move up the road, and uh, then he's been sick too right around Christmas. So, but I mean, he's a he's a real good guy. So. Did you teach him how to clean the chain pickerel to? Fry them up. Ah, oh, man, you know how fly fishermen are. They can't. They can't eat fish. It's against their religion. So, man, once you learn how to clean those pickles, <laughs> they're delicious. You know, Matt, he's an avid angler, and he is an avid voice for native black bass conservation of the South. I'm glad to know him, and enjoy every chance I get to talk to him. You know, I've been lucky enough to catch some of these fish, and I'll tell you, they hit like a freight train. They're very aggressive fish for their size, especially in late summer before fall when they're filling up for winter. So all of these three fish is kind of just going to kind of group it together because they all like clean water near and around shoaly rocky areas with cool flowing water. You know, it's all back to the habitat. They can also be caught around wood and undercut banks near rocky habitats with cool flowing water. And tips, you know, casting the current breaks, little eddies and pools, especially in rocky shoaly areas outside of the current, you know, any current break, anything out of the current. They can get in the current eat, but they mainly hang out in that, right on that rip line of that current, right on that eddy. So Altamaha, you can try to target them in the trips, the main stem of Morgi, any forks of the Oconee River, and then the main stem, Oconee River down to Milledgeville, and then the upper Lake Sinclair tributaries. The upper trips of Lake Sinclair still hold good numbers of pure fish. The Alabama bass hasn't really taken off in Lake Sinclair yet, so the hybridization invasion hasn't completely taken them over there. Those Altamaha bass are found above the fall line in the Okmulgee, Oconee, and Ogeechee River basins. And once you get your brain wrapped around this Piedmont fish that's above the fall line and up in the foothills, you'll be able to target these fish. So the Bartram's bass, the same thing, the ranges above the fall line in the Savannah River basin. And you can catch them in the upper tributaries like Panther Creek and the Broad River Tribs. And the Chattahoochee bass, the upper tributaries in the Chattahoochee River basin, and the lower foothill areas where the water is flowing clean and clear with rocky soil habitats. And we have mentioned the resources we have and maps that can help you determine some locations to target them. That's at basslam.com. So I know uh, we call those those bass here, the red eyes here, we call them the, the Bama Brookies. And, you know, they're super popular with the fly fishermen because most of the South doesn't have trout. Um, Alabama, to my knowledge, does, no longer has any wild native species of trout i know georgia you guys are lucky you've got some native brook trout and you've also got some wild populations of browns and rainbows and i know y'all have got the trout slam are there places where those red-eye bass and trout coexist where you can potentially go catch trout and bass on the same waterway yes sir there are you know we have both species in the headwaters of the drainages they occur in and pretty much where the water is cold enough to support the trout you know really this is usually around and in the national forest lands that both species inhabit, like the Chattahoochee National Forest Lands, for example, the upper Chattahoochee and Savannah River basins. Where those go up in there, you have Chattahoochee bass and trout. In the Chattahoochee River basin, above 255 on the Chattahoochee, you can catch them, trout and red eyes. 
and shell bass, and the Chesapeake above 400, you can catch them. So, you know, the National Forest stretch along the northern part of the state and over through Alabama. So you can also probably catch the original red eyes and the trout in the northwest corner of the state. And, of course, you know, smallmouth bass inhibit similar cooler waters also. I think we should do a different podcast for our trout slam and get one of our brilliant trout biologists, not to lead you astray like I am. So I don't know too much about trout. Yes, for sure. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to have uh have you guys back on the podcast, have a representative from DNR to talk about, about trout because I want to uh, – I want to experience that as well. I know y'all have got some real pretty trout waters. Um, I, I guess the the last question, just kind of some some practical nuts and bolts questions. You know, there's a there's a big difference, you know, between a a typical red eye bass and a largemouth bass, and then the spotted bass. They don't get quite as big, but I swear uh, a five pound spotted bass can run circles around a five pound largemouth bass. So. You know, if, if you're packing the pickup truck, you, you're going to have a wide range of waters or a wide range of fish. What would you recommend taking? Like if I was going to ride up there next year and do it, um, is it something that you can do with just like a seven-foot medium spinning rod? Is there a recommendation you can make for spinning tackle, fly tackle, or there lures that you recommend that, that work well so you're not having to change up as much, you know, when you encounter different species? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, never – Caught a trout, so I really can't comment on that. And I'm not much of a fly fisherman, so listen to what Dr. Lewis said. I know they use poppers and streamers. I know a fly rod with five weights kind of middle of the road. And I know they tie the woolly boogers and then top waters. Kind of easy to start finding trout bass and sunfish. And I guess you'll go up and wait if you're a trophy bass fishing for it on a fly rod. But I've had best luck with conventional gear for the smaller bass with a light action spinner rod with small weight line and a small Texas rig worm. Man, you set that thing on the bottom of an eddy or undercut and you tighten line and get ready. Because if they're there, you're going to know it pretty quickly. And there'll be no mistaking the bite. It's voracious. It's pretty amazing. So the easiest and cheapest method is probably a Texas rig on a four inch finesse worm or the 16th or eight ounce weight. You know, all bass eat worms. So if you want to just not have to change too much, I'd go that way. You know, you the flow at your fishing location will help you determine how much weight you need to get your worm to the bottom. Basically, you're just trying to get it down there quick and on the bottom and sit there, tighten up on it, and get ready. So some people use the Mex XD2 or 3 on a 6.6 six or 6.9 six medium-light spinning combo with 6 to 8-pound line. You know, they can kind of catch some of the boats there, but you just for finesse for the small ones, you know, just throw your little light light tackle rod in there in your in your gear also. But that 6.9 combo with the 6, 8-pound line, you know, that will help you start handle, handling these bigger large mouth and these bigger shoal bass and you also catch these larger red eyes as well so you mentioned spotted bass fighting our shoal bass hit like a freight train also sometimes you'll think you're hung a log when you first when you first hook up with one and top water sun also once the water warms up you know any of these bass will strike artificial baits like crank baits spinner baits smaller jigs scrubs plastic worms crayfish earthworms minnows leeches and frogs you just have to adjust your size to the species you're after well i, I think that's some good advice to go on and I, I definitely like what you're saying about going with a little bit lighter tackle uh is it's like i tell people if you're trying to complete the slam or just trying to catch a fish everybody wants to catch a big fish but they got to be little fish for they can be big fish and there's always more little fish in the river than there are big fish so i'm a i'm an unashamed little fish fisherman and uh it's it's a pile of fun catching two pound largemouth bass on ultralight tackle catching them on your crappie rods is a lot of fun brian i really appreciate all your time and all your information that you've given us today 
let let our readers know one more time if they want to read up a little bit more on that uh that black bass slam if they want to get after that map that you mentioned earlier where what's a what's a good place to to find that online okay so we have the angler resources and maps that under our basslam.com so you got to go under there's a tab it says where to find these black bass species once you hit on that it's going to open up a, a gis or gis map and at first it's going to have all species box at the top checked so you're going to uncheck that and then you're going to select the species you're interested in it's going to say like ultramaha bass fishing locations so you just want to make sure you're clicking on each species by itself and it'll show you points on a map with coordinates that you can travel to and go to uh, target these species. We have it for every species. And again, you know, if you uh, have a have a hard time trying to find some of these fish or can't get on them, and after you have given it a good given a good go, you know, reach out to us and we can uh, give you some hints that you get on it. Is, is there any uh, unique stories that you have about the slam, whether it's stories from you or some other anglers who've completed it? Yeah, we have some really good stories and being involved in it, you kind of get to, like you were saying earlier, you get to talk to the angler base, you get to give them the information a little at the time to help them make the decisions. You know, it's hard to change somebody's mind, but if they can do it themselves, they'll change their own mind. Last year, we had an Arizona resident named Michael Lopez. He traveled across seven states twice so he could complete his Georgia Bass Slam. He's spurred on by initial catch of a brilliantly colored red-eye bass from Jack's River in Fanning County. He found information about the bass slam and decided to make that a goal for the year. So he completed the slam in October. Man, we also get some heartwarming stories of fathers completing the slam with their sons, making memories of a lifetime and thanking us for it. I mean, that's what it's all about. These fish are natural heritage of the citizens of Georgia. Some of these fish are found nowhere else in the world. And, hey, it's a great excuse to go fishing also if you need one. So you can find all information for all of our fisheries, including the Sam Slam information at gofishgeorgia.com, www.basslam.com. So get out there, go fishing. Tight lines and go fish Georgia. There we go. Well, folks, that wraps up this week's Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen. If you'd like for us to email you the podcast, just text FISHING to 314-665-1767. Again, just text the word FISHING to 314-665-1767. Subscribe to our email list and we'll send you the new show each week. This week's episode of the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report has been brought to you by Dixie Supply and Baker Metal Works manufacture a variety of metal roofing systems to meet your needs. Whether you're putting a new roof on your home or sheeting a commercial building, they have you covered. Dixie Supply and Baker Metalworks, your metal roofing headquarters. Also brought to you by Fish Bites. Whether you're hitting the sand with set rig or fishing the flats and marshes for speckled trout, redfish, and flounder, Fish Bites has something for you. Check out the full line of scented saltwater and freshwater baits at fishbites.com. Also brought to you by LM Marine. L&M Marine has something for everyone, from small hunting boats to pontoons to bigger bay and hybrid boats for the hardcore angler. You can visit them at 34600 Highway 59 in Stapleton, Alabama, or give them a call at 251-937-1380. Also by Southeastern Pond Management. Since 1989, Southeastern Pond Management has been a leader in pond and lake management services. Schedule an obligation-free consultation today. Call one 888-830 888-830-POND or info at secpond.com. 
and brought to you by KillerDock combines durability, function, and design to uniquely upgrade your entire dock experience. Visit KillerDock.com to see more.